So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Ease Conversations. I just want to start off by saying thanks a lot to everyone who listened to the last episode featuring the homie Matt and I. I hope um, you all got to thinking about your own favorite movie theater experiences and are excited and looking forward to getting back into the movie theaters as we seem to be trending in the right direction. So now for episode 62 of Easy Conversations. I'm extremely excited, of course, to be back in the studio virtually with the homie Matt. Say what's up to the people. What's up, everybody? Hope everyone's having a good day right now. Um, I'm actually very excited for this episode because of our the guest that we have on is we share a lot of sim- like same passions for things. So I can't wait to hear him speak. Um, but Eric, I'll let you introduce our guest right now. Yes. Yeah, so our guest for today's episode is a connoisseur of all things art, curator of his own entertainment review website and YouTube channel, the homie Jesse Ravel. Say what's up to the people. What's up, people? <laughs> I just want to say it's an interesting uh, way that we got into contact with each other. Pat, who's your uncle, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Former guest of the pod. <laughs> yeah. He is my uh, stepmom's stepdad's brother, I think. I might have butchered that a bit. It's, no, that's it's some, right. That's correct. Yeah. He, he's basically <laughs> a friend, I would say. Um, <laughs> but he he knows that I'm very passionate about film and, and such. And uh, he actually brought you guys up like dozens of times, like so many times. He'd be like, oh, you should talk to my nephews. You'd you know, really get along with them. And every conversation, oh, you should talk to my nephews. And... So the last time that he mentioned it, I was like, okay, I'm going to stop procrastinating. I'm going to reach out. And uh, I think that was like a week or two ago. And here we are. So I'm super excited to be on. Yeah, man, we're super happy to have you on. And yeah, it's awesome that uh, this is how like Pat brought us all together. So thanks a lot, Uncle Pat. We kind of see him as a friend too, not as much of an uncle, but he's definitely someone we look to for like, he has great insight on a lot of things in life and was oh, a great yeah. guest on our pod. So if you haven't heard that episode, check it out. Episode 36. I listened to so, that. Yeah, we're That's super a good excited episode. to have you on here. Oh, and thanks. Um, yeah. yeah, so we're going to get into, to begin with your website, which is called Jesse Ravel reviews.wordpress.com so we'll put a link in the description of this episode to your that website and your youtube channel so i wanted to start a discussion off by asking you when and where did your hobby for reviewing various forms of entertainment which include and not limited to movies tv shows albums commercials just talk to us where did this all stem from I mean, I thanks for limiting it to just those because, you know, if you go on my review site, there's like 30 categories of, of things. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I've always been passionate about, you know, film and music and and everything. And uh, I don't know if you if you guys have heard of a website called Rate Your Music. I have not. No. So it, it originally started as, you know, it, like it sounds Rate Your Music as a, a music cataloging site and rating site for people. So anybody could sign up and um you know rate whatever music you know five stars half a star whatever they want to give it and every week the charts get updated so the charts are we're going to take all the user ratings and we're going to like give it like an average rating and we're going to tell you what the number one rated album is on the website and so i found this website i'd say like five or six years ago maybe seven and i became obsessed with it and i found so many new bands um you know, new artists, new directors, like movies I never would have discovered without it. 
you know, Russian movies from the 60s, you know, Swedish movies from the 70s, you name it. And uh, as I started to get into it more, there were certain users on the website that I would take note of. I would see their review on, you know, 2001 A Space Odyssey, for example, and I'd be like, oh, wow, this person, you know, really makes me think differently about this movie. And then I'd find their, you know, review for something else. And I'd be like, hey, th this guy, like, it's this guy again. And so I really started kind of just being like, I want to do what these guys do. Like, I want to write about movies in the way that these guys do. Because, like, I don't think I was ever, like, you know, thinking of movies on a surface level. I was always, you know, one to think a bit deeper about things. But this, like, expanded my world. And I, it made me want to just, like, be like them. So um, I think it's been two and a half years. I think it was November 2018. I, after years of wanting to just do that, I I finally just was like, you know what, I'm just going to do it. And uh, it actually, it didn't actually start as jessierevelreviews.wordpress.com. It started out as I created a Facebook page and I would create notes and I would share the notes. Um and so my first couple hundred reviews were like that. And then it got so big that I was like, this can't just be a Facebook thing. Like I need to find a, a website creator basically. And I need to just run my own website. Um, so yeah, two and a half years ago um, is when I actually started the reviews. And I'd say a couple months after that was when I started my review site. And yeah, like you said, it's like, I review, you know, even like movie posters, um, commercials, YouTube videos, uh, YouTube like essays, like video essays on YouTube about, you know, breaking down movies and stuff. So, yeah. That's super fascinating, Jesse. And I just want to bring it back to earlier. And my Pat, our, my uncle, he he has told me about you like a long time ago as well. And I've been you said you were procrastinating. I was procrastinating, too, because. Pat knows I'm obsessed with movies and he's like, you know, this Jess, he keeps name dropping you and telling me about you. And I'm like, that's my bad. So like, I'm glad you reached out to us. Oh yeah. Everybody has their own lives. And I've, you know, over yeah. the past couple of years, I've been busy with school and then, you know, all this COVID nonsense, basically not nonsense, but this COVID situation yeah. and, mm -hmm. you know, I'm working and stuff. And it's like, obviously you guys are doing the podcast. I'm doing my reviews, but you know, maybe this can be an ongoing thing. I, I like talking to people about uh, these things that I'm passionate about because not a lot of people share that passion, right? So that was leading to my next point of like, because when I talked to Pat, he was like, he's like, Matt, like you need to like, because I'm going on a different level than him of like what I'm searching for. And then when I see stuff on your website, Jesse, and on, even in your like, you're at three YouTube videos, I believe now. And I just listening to that, I knew like, you had so much to say and I have so much to say too. And it's one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast with Eric or I agreed to be the co-host. Um, no, I just love like when you said you're on Rate My Music and you're discovering stuff, that was basically me like reading like books about movies and like more and more information. So, but it's, it's what I find fascinating about you, Jesse, is like the, the different like categories you have, like I stick strictly to movies, but you're like, you have no problem going into music, art. Po like I find that the most fascinating aspect of your website, the diversity. Yeah. Well, thank so, you. Well, I'm incredible. actually a musician. I play like a lot of instruments and I make my own music as well. So 
Yeah. You can see that in the that's background wicked. there. You got the guitar. I uh, just wanted to touch on that point that Matt made as well about the variety. Like that's what stood out to me as well. Like how do you determine what piece of art that you want to review? Like is it all based on what you enjoy or do you seek out certain like albums or movies that say based on other reviews that you've seen or like artworks or um, films that were rated well and then you want to see okay, how does it hold up in my books kind of thing yeah so in terms of what i choose to review um it usually is just within the calendar year so you know we're in calendar year 2021 so if i see something and i watch it and it's you know released in the same calendar year i'm going to review it okay um so it's never a decision of whether I'm going to review it. Uh, that's not strictly true when it comes to movie posters and the smaller stuff. You know, I, I don't see a movie poster and I'm like, what year did this come out? I'm going to review it. Um, so that stuff, I kind of leave stuff out. Uh, but the big stuff, movies, albums, video games, books, uh, stuff like that. If it if it came out this year, then I'm reviewing it. Um in terms of what I choose to engage with, I don't know. That That's, again, like going back to Rate Your Music, uh, the charts update every week. And so, you know, I think it's like Tuesdays. So I go on Tuesdays and I'm like, okay, is the number one for... Because you can sort it by, you know, year um, and genre and whatever. So I, I'm like, okay, what's the top rated movie of the year this year uh, based on the people from like Rate Your Music? And if it's a movie I haven't seen, I'm like, okay, I'm going to like try to watch that. Okay. Um, and it, But some of it is like just personal taste. The last thing that I want to watch is, uh, so I rate things on a scale of zero to 10. Um, the last thing that I want to watch is a movie that's a five. Like, give me a movie that's like a one. Give me a movie that's a nine, a zero, a 10. Like, I get passionate about things that I don't like and things that mm -hmm. I like. Um but yeah, don't give me a 5 out of 10. So if I see a preview for something and I'm like, this just looks like it exists, like that's not going to trigger an emotional reaction either way. But if I'm like, yeah. oh man, this looks terrible, like I need to see it, you know? You hate mediocrity. Like you need it to be one extreme or the other. Yeah, because at that point, you're not even like engaging with it. You're just, yeah. it, it's that kind of movie where you check your phone a hundred times. Mm -hmm. Yep. Oh, but, I know, know that feeling. So, so I guess you were checking your phone a hundred times for Mandalorian season two. I saw you gave that a five. Took me a little by surprise there, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I did. I did I do mean, some it, research on your uh, your reviews. I did see some fives here and there, but I know what you're saying. Like, if yeah. you see something that you think is going to be a five, you stay away from it. Is that what you mean? I, I kind of just mean that like so much stuff comes out, and oh, I'm yeah. just aware of so much stuff releasing that if something looks like a five versus something looks like a two or a one i'm gonna go towards the two or the one gotcha uh going back to the mandalorian that was like this is star wars you know like and so that that's kind of like it's an event so if it's like it's an event then i'll see it you know so like star wars the mandalorian i was like you know I'm, it doesn't look like it's gonna pull me either way and it didn't really end up pulling me either way um but it was like i can't just ignore star wars so when it comes to that stuff it's just you can't ignore it so no i agree but jesse how do you find the time to like balance everything like if you're following music video games movies like i struggle just with new releases for like horror films and and non-horror films and like what's coming out and i can't keep up but how do you how how do you allot your time um 
I mean, when I'm not busy with school or work or, I mean, I've done school now, but when I'm not busy with that stuff, I'm usually on my computer doing something. I'm watching something or listening to something. And, you know, when I play video games, I usually have them on mute. I play multiplayer games a lot and I'll just mute it and I'll just put on new albums in the background ah. and just like, yeah. Love it. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it is a balance. And if you, um, if you go through my review site, uh, so I started two and a half years ago, and I think I've written over 1,200 reviews. Um, a lot of them are wow. like one sentence and not very good. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's kind of, you you would see if you look at the timestamps or the dates that I posted reviews, sometimes there's like two weeks where there's nothing or three weeks where I don't post a single review. And it's just like, you know, I'll, I'll, there's like times where I just binge. I'll just like watch a ton of movies, listen to a ton of music in a week. And I'll review like 20 things that week. And then I'm like, okay, that was exhausting. Mm -hmm. Take a week off. For music, do you go every Friday on like whether Spotify or Apple Music and just see, okay, what's what was released? And if none of the artists that let's say you really enjoy listening to their music have released anything, will you look up like, okay, like this album looks like it was this pretty solid re release. I'll review it. Kind of like one that stood out to me, like I'm a big hip hop guy. And I was looking to see if you had any rap and one that stood out to me was um, Armand Hammer's album, which I didn't listen to, but based on your review, seemed to say it was a pretty solid album. And it's with the alchemist who produced it all, who's a legendary producer there. So I'm just curious as to how you end up on certain albums. Is that the album with the pig's heads yes, on Yeah, it? the two pig heads okay. on the cover. Yeah, when you said the name of the album, uh, or the yeah, the name of the album and the artist, I was like... I think that was that album. If you had said the album with the pig heads on it, I would have been like, oh yeah, that one, like immediately. I'll lead with that next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I said, it, like for me, it almost always comes back to rate your music. Okay. Um, so it's like on the Tuesday when the chart update happens, I'm like on rate your music, wait, like refreshing the page, just like, okay, when's the chart update hitting? And then I refresh it and it's like a new number one. And I'm like, okay, I definitely lean towards certain artists a lot. And so just because something's high rated on this site and I, I disagree with a lot of the ratings on this site by the way it's not like i'm just mm -hmm. like you know take it as gospel you know just because something's number one doesn't mean it's gonna be the first thing that i listen to mm -hmm. if i see that like kanye dropped an album i'm like okay this is like priority because i i'm a huge kanye fan i love kanye shout out to jesus best album ever um mm -hmm. But yeah, so like certain artists and like directors, I'm like, okay, this is like, you're getting priority yeah. here. Of course. And I know you guys like Kanye because uh, I also listened to your best music of the 2010s list. And I heard some Kanye shout outs there. Thank so you, yeah. I was happy about that. No Yeezus though. Not, not the 2013 album, but. That's a divisive one. You know, when that came out, people like, I think a lot of people hated it. But I think a lot of those people like, what, eight years later have kind of come around to it. I see more positivity with Jesus now, I think. Okay, I might have to give it a re-listen then. Yeah, me too. You strike me as someone, Jesse, that will not, like, bend to popular opinion. Like, you will stand your ground and, like, you're firmly, like, you'll die on that hill with your beliefs, right? Like, you're not going to get... Uh, oh, absolutely. Um, I love that, yeah. That's and, great quality. Uh, I kind of get made fun of by friends a lot uh, for it. You know, they call me a hipster and a contrarian and whatnot but um and it, like i've even on this you know rate your music site i've like made some comments about like you know i don't get what this movie's about like i think it just sucks 
and then people are like oh you're not you're not cool or unique for not liking this movie and i'm like i wasn't even trying to be cool or unique like i'm just like genuinely like you know i I hate this movie and i get like so (laughs) give us an example yeah well that was kind of a specific example recently um well i'm trying to remember arrival it was arrival um so yeah somebody i said in the comment box like I think I said uh, <laughs> it was kind of like passive aggressive, but I was like, uh, so the lowest rating on rate your music that you can give is half a star. Um, you can't do zero stars. And I basically just said, uh, this movie is like the best argument for why zero stars needs to exist. Um, and somebody just came back with like, you're not cool or unique for like hating this movie. And I was like, I know. And then I, I messaged him and I was like, hey, that was kind of a weird comment. And like he apologized and I apologized and stuff. But it was like, yeah, like I, I will die on that hill of Arrival sucks. And uh, I know that, you know, a lot of people like that movie. And I know one or both of you mentioned it in your best of the 2010s for yeah. 2016. And I've always said, I don't care if you give Arrival zero stars. As long as you explain why you don't like something, I'm super cool with that. I just don't like when someone says, it doesn't give me any explanation. Uh, JesseRavelReviews.wordpress.com. Scroll down and go to uh, the bottom 25 entertainment releases of all time. (laughs) And you'll see a big explanation about why I don't like it. See, that's, and I love that, Jesse. Like, I will read that and respect that. Because I would love to hear I what like, you think about that. My I, I, I will have to check that out because I'm a huge fan of the movie and my curiosity is like off the charts right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how did yeah. you narrow it down? Like your worst 25 of all time. Like that must have been tough, especially if you're considering like all different like, yeah. formats of entertainment and art. Yeah, that's actually like, that's an entirely like cool topic on its own is just because every year at the end of the year, I do a bottom five and top five of the year. And, you know, typically with, you know, review sites or, you know, IGN or these, you know, big gaming sites or whatever, it's always like top five games. And then there's a separate list, top five movies. But mine are always everything. Um, So my top five at the end of the year could be a movie, a game, a TV show, another game, whatever. Um, And so that's something that I actually really enjoy doing is just like having that mix and almost that, you know, at the end of this year, there's no guarantee that a game's going to be in that end of the year list, which is such a a fun thing to do. And I, I wish that more people would do that is because I think it's such a cool idea. Um, And I haven't seen anybody else do it before, but I think it's just like so interesting to, to compare cross media products basically mm-hmm. it's like because how how do you compare like a movie to a game you know i, you I feel like somebody would be like oh well you can't do that like how do you compare a movie to a game but it's like well how do you compare like a rival i guess to you know christmas vacation you know like that movie it's like you know it's Fair just enough. as hard to compare those mm-hmm. you know so yeah i wouldn't say just as hard but i know what you're yeah. saying it's if if I do a top movie list, I I'll admit any horror movie I watch because I feel like I don't compare horror films to just dramas and stuff. So I kind of get that aspect, mm-hmm. Jesse. I remember going on your website a long time, like when Pat first told me about it, and that's what I noticed right away was your your end of the year list was not just movies; it was like just media. It was like best media of that year, and that 
completely got me by surprise and i was like this is really cool but i'm lot like i only know movies i only follow movies so we've talked a lot about sort of like how broad my categories are in terms of mm -hmm. what i review um and i've obviously like i said i've written over 1200 of varying quality um and in the in my youtube intro uh when i'm like announcing that i'm making this channel i have this like little joke where i'm like oh you know i've written over i think at the time it was like over 1100 reviews like you know i'm so prolific but most of them you know are bad quality i do this like little joke where i'm just like whatever but um i don't even know what i was talking about what was oh yeah the the broadness of the categories the level of depth that i get into certain categories of media differs so much um mm. when you see the level that i'm able to dissect a book versus a movie it's a night and day difference of you know, this person watches a lot of movies and watches a lot of, you know, YouTube essays about movies and reads a lot about, you know, film history. And he probably reads a book once every three years because, you know, when I'm when I'm reviewing books, I'm not like, oh, the prose was so elegant. I'm just, you know, I'm whatever. But with my movie reviews and, you know, especially like the YouTube ones, the WandaVisions and stuff, mm -hmm. I'm talking about like camera work and lighting and I'm talking about like, editing like sound editing video editing i'm talking about all these aspects of film um and so there is like this great you know even though i'm reviewing all these things i'm by no means an expert in any of them but i am much more comfortable reviewing film mm -hmm. than anything else honestly like even though i'm a musician uh, i don't know that much theory and so i struggle sometimes to like explain like how i feel about music um, but with movies, I'm just like obsessed with the, with the format. Mm -hmm. It's kind of yeah. nice though, to have that variety and like not be limited to just reviewing movies. And like kind of like Matt and I here, we do a lot of movie episodes, but I do like that. That's not our central focus on every single episode that we'll, we'll have like a, a random episode on hockey here and there, and then bring on someone who's written a book and um, just like a good like or talk about travel in another episode so it is fun to like showcase different sides of your personality and your interests and then develop new interests based on like interacting with new guests i'm talking about for the pod specifically here i want to know for your youtube channel are you looking to make it more of a focused effort on analyzing film or tv shows like i, I watched your wandavision episode thought it was great and that's a show i'm looking forward to analyzing on here so I'll, I might make take some notes and make a little like YouTube essay from what you've uh, already posted. But so when I first started the WordPress page, my reviews were very long. Like they were, um, if you were to put it in like Microsoft Word, they'd be a couple pages long. And like I said, like nowadays they're like a sentence each. And I just kind of got bored of the written format. And so the goal with the YouTube reviews was, I'm gonna go more in depth with each review than I ever did with the written reviews and that video format allows me to do that. And, you know, the WandaVision review, I think is like almost 20 minutes. Um, the Dota review uh, was just over 10. So that's like an animated show. And so, yeah, it, it was very much just like, it opens up that door to be far more critical and also allows you to make your points using visuals. So the limitation of, you know, the written review was talking about like a particular scene, for example, in the review of a movie. You have to describe the scene so that people understand when they're reading it what you're talking about. 
but on youtube you can just show the scene and talk over it and people just automatically know what you're talking about so that was really nice but in that sense it allowed me to really step up that level of being critical and analyzing it and taking it more in depth because i had these tools at my disposal where i can get a lot more information out in a much more concise fashion mm-hmm. and so that's that's the goal of the youtube page is just um, every review matters and every review is like an in-depth critical look at what it is i'm reviewing mm-hmm. and i want to know like did you I'm assuming you have some notes prepped, but I'm wondering, is it a full-on script that you've prepared and a full review that you've written out and then are reading over these clips or like showing um, clips of yourself reviewing them? I'll go back to my Carleton days, Carleton University. I went to, I know, are you both based in Ottawa? Yeah, University of yeah. Ottawa. Let's yeah. go. Okay, so I'm from Kingston, okay. um, but I went to Ottawa uh, for Carleton University. When I was there, I did sociology was my major. And so over the four years that I was there, I wrote 50 essays, uh, you know, 60 essays about sociology type stuff. Um, And in those four years, I learned that my best essays, my process is when I go through dozens of journal articles and I find quotes that I want to use and I write them out by hand or type them out by hand before I even start writing the essay. And so by the time I start writing the essay, I have like 20, 30, sometimes 40 pages of just notes of quotes, um, like word to word, like exact word in quotes from like these articles. And I would sort of like have all these notes in front of me and I would pull from them and structure them as I'm writing my essay. And so when I started doing the YouTube reviews, I didn't even go into it being like, oh, I'm going to do it like exactly how I did at Carleton. I I didn't even realize until after the WandaVision review that my process for it was very similar to that where, I mean, WandaVision came out week after week. And when a new episode would come out, I would sort of do like these point form notes in like a Google Doc. And, at you know, maybe the next episode would be like, oh, that's not like what I wrote down last week isn't actually... um, you know, what ended up being true with what they revealed this week. So I would go back and sort of alter my notes. By the end, I would have like all these notes. And what I ended up doing is I went through episode by episode and I made timestamps for uh, like every minute, like every scene in the entire show, I would do a timestamp for. So I would put like from like five minutes and 19 seconds to seven minutes and 20 seconds I'm going to type out everything that happens in the show and like key things that characters say. And so I think I had 20 pages of notes for WandaVision and uh, I opened up a new Google doc, a fresh page, and I had the notes on one side of the screen and this empty page on the other. And I was like, I'm just going to keep referencing this 20 pages of notes that I spent um, probably like 10 hours writing uh so yeah then i wrote the script which took a few hours and then i rewrote it a bunch of times which also took you know several hours and then when i finally had this script and i wrote the script not in point form it was like word for word here's exactly what i'm gonna say you know at certain points in the script because i have all these notes with all these timestamps, i would say you know when wanda 
says this to Vision. And then in my script, I would have uh, show like five minutes and 40 seconds to five minutes and 43 seconds. So when I'm going in, so basically what I would do once the script was done is I just recorded the audio. I would just sit down and record the entire, like me speaking the entire script front to finish. And then when I started the actual editing process, it was super easy because it was, okay, when I'm saying this in the script, I already have a timestamp of like, oh, at episode seven at this specific time, that's what I should be showing. Mm. So it was, it's very time consuming, but um, that's how I work. That's what I find the easiest, <clears throat> even though it's probably not the most efficient, but yeah, it, it takes a long time. And and Jesse, why why WandaVision? Is that like, are you a huge Marvel fan or that was the biggest show at the time that you wanted to cover? I had talked about doing video reviews and then when I decided I was ready, I was like, this first review can't just be like, you know, a five out of 10, here's this random Netflix show I found or something, right? It, it has to be a big deal. And also, you know, friends and family that, you know, read my content or read my content before this channel you know, I would have to sell them on it. I would have to sell them on like, okay, set aside time for my YouTube reviews because I, I'm i like proving to you that I can do this and that like it's interesting and that, you know, I was like born to do this basically. Um, and so I was like, I really need to make a statement with this first with this first review. It needs to be something that's like popular, that's well known, but also that's interesting. Um, and so, like, you know, the, the, the Marvel show that came out after uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, to me, that would not have been a good show to start with because, um, I mean, I don't know if you saw my review. I gave it a 5 out of 10. <laughs> I did see that. Yeah, I noted it down. Or a 6 out of 10. I don't even I remember. Five, but, but anyways. But WandaVision just has this crazy, like, surrealist, postmodernist, you know, it's just, it, it does a lot of crazy stuff. And so I was like, I just like looked at it and, you know, from the first trailer at like the Super Bowl a year ago or whenever it was revealed, I was like, I'm going to keep my eye out on this. This is going to be like, you know, and so the timing kind of just worked out. It was February, March, where I decided like I'm 100% going to make a YouTube channel and WandaVision was scheduled to come out in March. I think it start coming out in March or it started coming out in February, I think, and, and finished in March yeah yeah okay so it was the, the timing of it too it was you have this like very surrealist postmodernist tv show which is cool it's marvel which is huge and it's you know coinciding with my beginning in my channel so you know i was just hoping that would uh have a big audience and it did i got a lot of views on uh on youtube for it so oh man you said a lot there first of all your process I can definitely relate in that, like, writing essays for four years of university preps you for this kind of work. Like, I also did l reviews back in the day on Letterboxd, actually. I don't know if you know that website or app. Yep. I wanted to just throw that in there. Like, I also did some short reviews and kind of applied the same process that you just described. And funny that you write out, like, kind of word for word what you're going to say for a... Um, like your review on YouTube there. I do the same thing for presentations at work. It's still just like word for word, no improv. But anyways, that's, that's a whole other thing. So for WandaVision, I think like the timeliness, like you touched on, was key to really hook people for your first video. It'd be like, And everyone was talking about it too. That was the beauty of WandaVision. Everyone was watching that show. That's the first phase four show, um, 
Marvel content that was out in over it was two years basically since Marvel hadn't given us anything. So it makes sense that you chose that as your first one. Also makes sense that you chose to not review Falcon and Winter Soldier. Way less to analyze. Like obviously there was a lot in there and mm. we're going to do an episode on that there. I don't want to dismiss Falcon and Winter Soldier. But I think, which is crazy to say, I think more people enjoyed WandaVision, which I never would have thought I would have over Falcon and Winter Soldier. I was more excited for that show going into it purely as a Winter Soldier fan and then became a huge Falcon fan after the show. But Wanda was a character I never cared for much at all. Vision even less so. And you come out of that show like loving Wanda. Who doesn't love Wanda Maximoff now? I don't know. Yeah, I mean that's what that's what was great about the show is that these characters didn't get much moment many moments in the movies. And so that this entire show was just like we're just going to give you this in-depth dive into these characters. And I feel like I haven't gone and watched the the other movies that they're in again since I watched WandaVision, but I feel like it'll be, you know, spoilers for Infinity War, I guess. Um, you know, what happens to Vision at the end will be that much more heartbreaking after watching WandaVision. Very, very good point, actually. That's why all the Marvel, like, them building movies and then, like, releasing all the standalone stuff and then having them together is so much more impactful as opposed to what Justice League did four years ago. Um, I had a question. It's a really random question, Jesse, but you kind of touched on it when you were saying you have to convince people. Oh, Oh, Zack Snyder. He's uh, wearing a Zack Snyder's Justice League sweatshirt, folks. Zack Snyder is my, (laughs) I wouldn't say my favorite, but my favorite superhero director. Oh, we can talk Zack Snyder after if you want, like on his uh, filmography. Yeah, but, absolutely. But, but Jesse, you said you said like convince people to like check out a review or convince them to watch something. Like, is that something you struggle with in giving recommendations? Because that's something I struggle with. Because I find like I have a much wider palette than most of my friends, and I will recommend something that's a great movie in my eyes, and then I get a lot of weird, funny looks and negative feedback. Unhinged. And. Yeah. Okay. I I don't know. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. Yeah, Unhinged. That one did not did not go over well with everyone. I recommended movie. it. I never even heard of Unhinged. Yeah, it's a it's a that horror movie with Russell Crowe, the road horror. Anyways, sorry yeah. to sidetrack you there, Matt. Anyways, it doesn't matter. We <laughs> a horror movie Eric. with Russell Crowe. I'm probably not going to watch it. My point is, do you <laughs> do you get turned off by people like not understanding sometimes, like? why something is so good. Yeah, I mean, I kind of like spoke to this earlier a bit, but I'll expand on it now. It's just the reason why I was like, so just like, you know, I reached out to you guys and I was like, you know, I want to like, you know, it's your podcast, but just so you know, I really want to be on this thing. So if you guys let me like, I'm down to come on here. And it's just, it, it's like any chance that I get to talk about these things, I jump on it because the only person that will listen and uh, at least pretend to care as my girlfriend because um, you know it's just like when i'm talking to some of my friends it's like you know oh d- d- you should like go check out this like you know 70s russian movie that's three hours long and that's like really slow paced and it's just like you know that's not going to go over well you know they're, they're telling me that they think you know friggin uh you know fight clubs like too slow paced or something and i'm like oh god (laughs) like definitely don't watch this movie then you know and it's uh yeah it's hard i mean there's this funny story i went to uh 
I'm sure you guys have seen Donnie Darko, but I went to uh, my grandparents' house for a sleepover. This is years and years ago. And we were just like, oh, we should watch a movie. And I was like, oh, yeah, we should. Uh, I have this movie Donnie Darko downloaded um, legally, entirely legally downloaded. <laughs> um, and so we watched the movie and I think my Nana went to bed early. She was like, what is this crap? Like, what's like, this is such a weird movie. And now whenever I see my grandpa, you know, he's always like, hey, we should watch Donnie Darko because he's like. <laughs> He, he, they just like my grandparents just thought it was like the weirdest movie ever. They were like, "Why did you show us that?" And it, it's Donnie Darko. Like it's really not that like extreme of like an art house movie. Like obviously more than your average movie, but it was like it was just so funny to to see their reactions to that. They come from a different time though, so yeah, I understand that. Yeah, definitely. They they want to watch. Um, I don't know, like I said, like Christmas Vacation earlier or something. I don't know. Sound of Music, always a classic too. Yeah, like... Kind of on the topic of Matt's question, kind of similar, but just about... Do you have a difficulty or like... Is it uh, tricky to get people to read or watch your reviews on YouTube? Now, like just to... Because since you're covering so many different topics, you might not always get the same people who are going to read your reviews or watch a video on YouTube. Let's say I saw you just uploaded one today... Jesse Ravel reviews Squilly by Willy. So now I don't know what that is. So I know what one division <laughs> is. I watch the video. But Squilly by Willy, I don't know. Like, do you find that that's kind of something that's difficult to kind of grow your brand and to get people to want to consume your content? Like, I'll speak for us quickly there. I'll let you answer. But like, if we're, if our episode, which drops every two weeks, centers around, I'll just go back to hockey. Every one of our listeners who is not a fan of hockey will not listen. Like, maybe I don't want to speak for all the listeners. I hope you still listen. But I'm pretty sure some who don't like hockey will not listen. So is there a difficulty in that regard to, like, get people to consume your art? Yeah, I mean, of course. But I don't think that my goal, at least, is if you watched one of my videos, I want to make videos that you will watch every single time. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm very aware that you know, when I post a certain video, some of my friends and family will be interested in it, some won't. But my next video, it'll be the opposite people that are interested and the opposite people that are not interested. You know, I think that, you know, you get you guys too, we're small content creators. Oh, yeah. We're by no means, you know, I, I don't know, like PewDiePie or <laughs> something like that. We don't have like millions of followers. Um, and I find that it, for me at least, I wouldn't say it's disheartening, but I kind of wish that there was more interaction when I when I post stuff. For sure. Because the number of people that, you know, I'll post like that video today, Squilly by Willie, you know, when I post that on Facebook and, you know, four people like it, I'm like, okay, hundreds of people have probably seen it. Four people like the status, but I have 50 views on YouTube. So like, I'm like, I wish that more people would like interact with the content but that's obviously asking a lot from people in terms of you know their time and energy because when i reflect on myself i'm like i never leave youtube comments like i don't really engage with people so like that's just like a commitment you know you're you're taking time out of your day to do that so yeah i mean i guess answering the main question which was you know do i find it difficult to sort of like appeal to people basically um like, yeah, it's it's difficult and it's always in the back of my mind. Like, it, it's going back to the whole WandaVision thing of like, okay, now's my chance to prove myself. 
what's my first review going to be? What's going to like catch the interest of the most people? You know, it's not going to be um, Squilly by Willy. It's going to be WandaVision. Um, Squilly by Willy, by the way, um, Willy Hooker is his name. He, he's actually a personal friend of mine. Oh, okay. And so just as many people will watch my review as the number of people that will listen to his album. <laughs> you know, he, he's not, you know, he's not a big music guy in terms of popularity. He's a big music guy in terms of he makes amazing music, but yeah. Yeah, I didn't want to be a downer with that question and just realize that it maybe got a little dark there. We appreciate, like, I love whenever, like, one person texts me about the episode saying, like, oh, I can't believe, like, Matt said this or you said that or whatever. Like, I love it whenever I get, like, one person, that's all I ask for. And for the most part, the listeners do give me that. So I thank you all very much. It means a lot. Yeah, it's, it's always fantastic to, like, to get any sort of, feedback whatsoever mm-hmm. um i mean i've gotten a couple really funny comments on my review site um if you watch my intro video on youtube i sort of do like a snippet of them i think it was like one of the first times i ever got a notification on wordpress of like somebody commented on your uh somebody commented on your article and i like got this like excitement i was like oh my god this is like this is cool like this isn't like my mom or like my girlfriend like this is like you know, an, another person that doesn't know who I am. Um, is there swearing allowed on this podcast? Yeah, of course. Okay, great. Uh, <laughs> so the comment was, um, I gave like a Twilight Zone episode, like a low score, like one of the recent episodes. And uh, the comment was, you're a fucking idiot critic piece of shit. <laughs> and my immediate reaction was like, my heart sank. I was sad. And then as the day went on, I was like, that is hilarious. Yep. That is so funny. That like, it, it's like going back to that idea of like, I don't want to watch a five out of 10 movie. I want to watch like a one out of 10 or 10 out of 10. Mm. And it kind of was just like, you know, okay, I'm a fucking idiot, critic, piece of shit. Like, great. That's awesome. Actually. Like I triggered like an emotional reaction from you. Like I made you feel something about my, uh, with like with my words, basically, like, that's such an incredible thing. And then obviously I've gotten positive comments as well. And, um, you know, from friends and family and even some strangers who will write on an article and leave a comment and just be like, oh, like great ideas. I didn't think of that before. And I'm like, cool. But I I love everything. I love the positive comments. I love the negative comments. Yeah, we're still waiting for our first you're a fucking idiot piece of shit podcast uh, (laughs) host. But uh, for the most, it's been 10 out of 10 reviews from the people, you know, so can't complain too much. But definitely would, you know, it'd be funny to get like some haters to have haters that means you have appreciators right for the most part it's a 10 to 1 ratio and that's how i look at it anyways yeah i heard somebody say the other day something about like how hater you almost need haters to be successful yeah if you don't have haters you're Um, not successful means you made it yeah yeah and also going back to that whole you know i gave like a rival like i don't like a rival and stuff um that obviously triggers a lot of people people feel very strongly about that triggered me a tiny bit but yeah yeah. But not in a bad way, Jesse, because like I said, I'm going to go read that. I will read that right after we get off because yeah. I need to know why you feel that way. So. Yeah, it's literally um, my most hated movie ever. <laughs> oh, so. wow. Uh, you yeah. know what? I have movies like that, Jesse, that I don't like that everyone loves. So, you know what? I fire. would trigger a lot of people with some of the... I could name drop some movies and people yeah, get I was going to say, fire so. them off. Grown Ups 2, I'm pretty sure that's a worse movie than Arrival, but... Oh, come on. 
that's a that's a movie of the year contender. No, it's not. <laughs> no. Well, the, the thing is, because the... Arrival Jesse was like like on everyone's best of the year. So yeah. you saying, of course, you're people hold it on a pedestal, mm-hmm. and you're like, no, like it's me. This is it's the Dark Knight for me. Your Arrival is my Dark Knight or Forrest Gump. And Forrest Gump too. Okay. (laughs) Maybe not zero. Dark Knight to me is like a one out of ten. Really? Okay, wow. So you and Matt are kind of on the same page here. For the most part, it's like everyone loves the Dark Knight, right? And like I think that's what Matt dislikes about is that everyone just puts it, just says like blindly that it's the best movie of all time, which I don't think it is, but I think it's a great movie. I love the Dark Knight. Here's what I'll say though. Because you you said, you know, Grown Ups 2 is a worse movie than Arrival. The thing about that, and like I get when I say, you know, Arrival deserves, you know, zero stars and somebody gets mad and, you know, it's kind of like not saying that you were mad, but sort of like, like, how can you say that? (laughs) How can you say that when Grown Ups 2 exists? And to me, it's like, I'm not saying that this movie is on like a technical level, on the level of like, you know, on a production value level, that Arrival is literally the worst movie ever made. It is like, you know, low budget trash, you know, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that like, the reaction that I had to what it was trying to be, I think, and what it was, was this movie makes me so angry. This movie makes me so frustrated. And I hate what it does. You know, I hate that it makes me feel like this. And I will admit, and I think this is just part of being human, the fact that it did get good reviews makes me hate it a little bit more. It makes me be like, why do you people not understand that this movie sucks? I don't actually think that. I think that like there are people that love, you know, that movie or hate movies that I love where it's like, you know, it's like as long as you're not saying you're a fucking idiot for what you think. As long as you're like, I'm going to discuss this with you and we're going to like mm-hmm. talk about the points and I disagree with the way that you look at it. But it's like, if you explain yourself, it's like, you know, if you think that, I don't know, you know, the Dark Knight's a 10 out of 10, like go ahead. But there's this fundamental difference and I, it, it, that's what keeps things interesting in my opinion. Absolutely. Like when you see these big movies, like, you know, the Dark Knight come out and it's like, you know, 100% or Rotten Tomatoes or whatever it always makes me honestly question a bit like were there critics that were just giving it a good rating for fear of backlash from the public or something kind of like when like kendrick lamar drops an album people blindly give it like a 10 out of 10 96 percent like yeah. damn got a 96 percent rating pretty much immediately and it hasn't hasn't gone down since like i love that album but i don't know if it's that good you know what i mean just to make that kind of comparison there yeah damn's a good album but not a 96 yeah that's not a 96 album. But yeah, it's it's like, I don't know. It's, and it's Christopher um, Nolan too, Jesse, right? Like, you have to give that movie a 10 out of 10. 10 it, yeah. Yeah. Well, if you go... <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. If you go in my bottom 25 of all time list, seven Nolan movies are there, so... <laughs> I, I've, I know you're not a Nolan fan. I, I watched the WandaVision video. Full disclosure, Memento is in my top 10 favorite movies of all time. Like, I love that movie more than any other one of his movies. Um, I don't know if Memento's in your bot in that bottom list, Jesse. You can tell me right now, but like, I do love some of his movies. Uh, four. I feel like Nolan lost his creative prowess uh, at Batman Begins. Okay, okay. And so the seven that are on my list are from Batman Begins to Dunkirk. 
Oh, that that makes me feel a little better. Yeah. But I liked I liked Tenet. Okay. I thought it was his most stripped down and unapologetically Nolan since forever, basically. Uh, but my favorite of his, which you might not have seen, is Following. Yeah, that's a good one. Following's very good. Um, it's very just indie. Yeah. Super indie, super just like, in my opinion, not full of himself yet. Um, Memento, like from following to Memento, the changes that I saw, it was like, I hope that he doesn't keep going in this direction. I don't mind Memento. I still really like Memento. I do think it's like a good movie. But I was like, you're starting to get a bit more just like unapologetically Nolan-esque where he's just kind of like beating you over the head with these concepts. And and that just like reaches its breaking point, I think, for me with like Inception or something oh, okay. where it's just like half the movie is just this like expository dialogue. And it's like we're just I'm just explaining this dream world to you instead of doing this like Lynchian almost like I'm going to make you like feel the dream world. No, that, that, that to me, that makes sense. I know exactly what you're saying. It's like over explanation on everything, which yeah, that's what you were saying in the WandaVision video, like weren't a fan of a certain episode because of the nolan-esque explanations yeah it was episode four because it was the first three episodes were just pure sitcom stuff and then Mm. episode four was like we're gonna explain all the weird stuff from the first three episodes (laughs) like that was literally the entire episode and like me and my girlfriend watched it and then we went on our like post-dinner walk i just ranted for like 20 minutes i was like that episode (laughs) sucked like that episode and i like i probably brought up nolan like 20 times and i was like this episode is like so shitty man like and i love the first two episodes of wandavision like they are still my favorite those black and white episodes and we're kind of paying tribute to these like 50s and 60s era sitcoms um but we're also kind of doing our own thing with them and we're just we're not like pumping the brakes on it we're not doing this like um in a way that like these fourth wall breaks were you know they're kind of like sorry for the bad jokes you know it's like we're trying to replicate these 50s era jokes like they just like went full into it and then to get hit with that episode four it was just like it was an apology to the audience like we made you sit through these episodes but here's why because a lot of people complained about those first two jesse a lot of people i know and that's that's the thing where you know i get called contrarian because people are like (laughs) you know oh the first two episodes are so slow like episode like i remember Here's another thing I did. When I was doing the notes for each week for when the new WandaVision episode would come out, I would go on the subreddit, the WandaVision subreddit on Reddit, obviously, and I would see what other people had to say about the episode because I was like, somebody might say something that I didn't even realize. I'm going to write that down just to keep it in mind. And when episode four came out, everybody on that subreddit was like, that was the best episode yet. And like, like, that blew my mind. And I was like, what blew your mind about it? we already knew all this stuff happened like do you not have like an imagination you can't imagine you know it's like the beekeeper in episode two i think in episode four it's just like a guy in like a hazmat suit and just like crawls through the sewer and gets like transformed it's like you didn't need to show me that like just just show me that things change when they go through that like wanda's force field thing you know show me that i can just kind of put two and two together you know when i rewatch it i can be like oh the beekeeper that's probably like a sword guy you know, I'm ranting okay. about WandaVision. No, now, it's all so. good. Like, I don't know about that yeah. episode blew my mind, but it was definitely for me anyways, it was appreciated in the sense that like, I had no idea where they were going with the show. And I think that was the consensus that everyone was just confused watching that show. So it was a nice little like, okay, 
this is what happened and like this is what's actually going on in the background and like that kind of goes to show that as viewers we're uncomfortable with the unknown and kind of needing to know like okay there is direction and we're not just watching these homage episodes i don't know how you feel about it matt we haven't really talked about it but like for me it was a nice like it was a good episode and that's for me where the show picked up i would say yeah and it also makes sense for their audience right like and that's why I ended up giving WandaVision like the score of 8 out of 10 still is because from episode 4 on there was a lot of exposition but it was very much in the vein of like barring episode 4 of course for me but it was very much in the vein of like we understand our audience the Marvel audience isn't the same audience that watches you know David Lynch films you know we're not going to just throw them into the abyss and just like you know let them drown there it's like we're going to throw you know a life jacket in there and we're going to I don't want to say spoon feed because I feel like that's a bit condescending, but like we're going to like give you all the information. We're we're not going to leave, like you said, like they don't leave things to mystery. Mm-hmm. They're like, we want yeah. you to make sure that like you understand what we're doing. And, you know, with Marvel, it's like kids watch, you know, kids like watching superhero stuff. And it makes sense. It makes sense for that. I don't want to dwell too much on Wanda because we're going to talk about WandaVision more in depth in another episode but jesse your point is like dumbing it down for the audience what where's the fine line between dumbing it down for the audience or doing like a twin peaks where nobody knows what's going on but it's i mean for me it's super compelling watching twin peaks but like you got to have that fine line am i right yeah and different you know different directors and writers have their own approach to it and you know explore their own kind of sets of themes which require different you know riding of that line and so somebody like Lynch, for example, like you said, Twin Peaks, which is one of my favorite things ever. It makes I had sense. A feeling. <laughs> yeah, Twin Peaks is amazing, especially season three. That was like, that blew my mind. It was so really? good. Okay. I know Pat and uh, his brother Bert there, they uh, they said, you know, it was kind of trash. And uh, But yeah, season three of Twin Peaks is Lynch's magnum opus, in my opinion. But wow. uh, back Old to the statement. point, like, it's for somebody like Lynch and for Twin Peaks, it's such a fully realized world, even when you don't understand it. It doesn't require you to fully understand its processes in order to engage with what it is. The whole idea of the Black Lodge and the whole idea of Bob and just all the weird shit that happens in Twin Peaks, basically, you don't need to understand it in the sense that you can explain cause and effect exactly what this world is. But there's an internal logic to it, like 100%. Lynch is really good at this. He he builds up this internal logic where it's not just random. There There's some movies sometimes where I'm like trying to be Lynchian, but it's just like, it just comes off as like random. It's like you're just being weird for the sake of being weird. And I've never found that with Lynch because there's always something there to engage with. And there's always some sort of point or some sort of message or moral to contemplate about. You know, obviously, I'm not going to say Twin Peaks and WandaVision should ride ride that same line of being mysterious, but also being, you know, expository. And they shouldn't give the same amount of information. They should be very aware of who their audience is, and they should be very aware of what they're trying to say and how open that's going to be to interpretation. 
haven't seen Twin Peaks, so I can't really comment on that. But I do think it is nice, though, for Marvel to be diversifying their content, which is what we're seeing with these shows. And, like, that's what I enjoyed also about WandaVision is how, like, I know, Matt, you said you don't want to talk about it more, but just, like, kind of wrap it up there is that it really threw us for a loop. It's not what we're used to with Marvel, but I really like that, that there was that element of mystery. Anyways, like I said, I can't speak on the Twin Peaks aspect, but maybe, Matt, you can, can help me out here. <laughs> Twin Peaks yeah, is like, a huge recommendation. Okay, you gotta but, watch Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks. I thought it was a I movie, to be honest. So it's good. I need a new show. Just finished up Peaky Blinders today. Let's go. Oh, oh, nice. Yeah. Season two gets a bit shaky. I will say that okay. Lynch left like early on season two, so it gets a bit shaky. Stick with it. Picks up again. Okay. I guarantee it. Eric, Eric, you will know within the first episode, which is pretty much a mini movie. It's pretty much a movie episode one because of the length. You'll know right then and there if it's for you. Okay. You'll you'll either love it or be like, nope. You either won't dig the music or the dialogue. It's very it's it's it's, it's really unique. I can't believe you I just per- said Twin Peaks and not dig the music in the same sentence. That is well, so Well, some people don't, Jesse. Some oh, people don't. It's like the greatest soundtrack ever. Like not just TV shows, but like <laughs> rivals anything. like John Carpenter's Halloween perhaps yeah well not that anyways i, I can't no, speak i to like the that Twin more Peaks soundtrack there but well it's that's tough comparison yeah. but uh jesse what are your thoughts to me someone could dismiss twin peaks and like the whole i want to talk about the whole style over substance argument that people will throw around out there and i'm a huge like advocate like i'm a huge defender of like no it's not style over substance you just didn't understand the substance or their substance there but people will dismiss stuff like twin peaks or other obscure movies as just no it's artsy and i that's one thing i hate i don't know if it like if it's a pet peeve of yours but it's something i do not like when someone just no it's artsy fartsy or it's style over substance i don't know i just wanted to hear your thoughts on that jesse yeah for sure it's like when somebody calls a movie pretentious or the, and yeah. it's like okay pretentious like what what like definitionally what does that word mean that it's just like super self-serious uh, like for some movies it's like good like i'm glad like it's dealing with like very like difficult subjects like not everything needs to be uh grown-ups too you know doing <laughs> throwing all these jokes around like I, I like when movies are pretentious if you want to call them that because it means that it's taking its subject matter seriously and that it's trying to engage you and it's taking film as an art form seriously and not sort of doing this like th- this thing where it's like um, almost making fun of film or something or, or kind of just like belittling it as like an art form even though it's like being created in that form. And yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, do you guys know Andre Tarkovsky? Absolutely. No. Yeah, so Tarkovsky's movie Stalker um, my favorite movie ever, I would say. Really? Wow. Yeah, it's I love Tarkovsky it. yeah. is the bomb. He is so good. Um, but I remember. <laughs> I have it right so here, actually. There's. Oh yeah, I have that Criterion too. Nice. That is a that is a beautiful looking movie. That is okay. So that movie, in my opinion, has the best cinematography of any movie ever. Wow. Um, all of Tarkovsky's films um, are just visually, like that man is on another level. Like, you know, I, I think of like, you know, people talk about Kubrick usually. Um, you have like Malik, people like that, um, you know, Bergman, 
you know, Fellini, these types of directors where people like are like, you know, they make gorgeous films. But Tarkovsky's on this like spiritual level. And there was a guy at work um, that I worked with a few years ago. And uh, Stalker is also a video game series loosely based on the movie that's loosely based on a book called Roadside Picnic. And so he watched stalker the movie because i think he had played like the video games or something and he was he was like oh yeah like i know that movie because i was talking to him about it and he was like uh yeah the movie's good but the camera work was outdated and i was like i was like buddy like do you know what you just said like you're saying that like tarkovsky like here's the thing you look back at like some movies from like the 30s and 40s and it's like sure the camera work's outdated like they were like establishing this like cinematic grammar at the time but to say that like stalker had outdated cinematography is just like it's literally to me like timeless like that cinematography can never be outdated because like you said like it's the whole style over substance thing which i guess i'll get to like right after this but like it is so stylized and it commits to that style so unapologetically that it can never be outdated it's like the tree of life by malik you know the the handhelds and you know that like very subjective you know i'm gonna butcher this word but phenomenological experience it's being like encapsulated through that like cinematography it's like that that is like have you guys seen the tree of life i really like it and i've shown it to people and they fell asleep or yeah people hate the camera work and you know recent malik but it's like um if that movie was shot regularly like that would not be the same movie like its identity is so closely tied with what the camera's doing and it's not just a matter of like style over substance it's like you know it's this like phenomenological experience that malik is giving us form and content is style and substance respectively so when the form and content of a film come together to form a cohesive whole I like that because it's the camera work is being determined by what the story is, by the inner psychological states of the characters and the characters themselves are being influenced by what the camera's doing. So it's like a, it's a two way road where these relationships are feeding into each other. And so something like the tree of life, like to, to disregard it and say, Oh, it's a boring movie. You know, um, why couldn't it have just been like, why didn't they just shoot it normally? It's like, well, you're kind of like missing the point. Like Malik is just like no apologies. He's just, you know, this is what the movie is. We're talking about like subjective human experience. And I'm going to like shoot it like that. I'm going to capture that with the way that the camera moves. So, yeah, I I don't I don't buy into the, you know, style over substance argument, because to me, style is like it's a movie. You know, we're not we're not talking about theater or something and that's what i like about film is it's not just you know a theater production that we're shooting on a camera it's evolved into its own medium where the camera becomes its own object within the scene and you get things that are physically impossible in the theater production not just in terms of cgi or practical effects but just in terms of like you know cutting you know shot reverse shot that type stuff you know Mm-hmm. style is just that's filmmaking to me that's all it i couldn't is. agree more i couldn't yeah. agree more jesse 
Thank you. Yeah, that's all I have to say about that. So. And I love the fact that your favorite movie is Stalker. I mean, like, I, I know people that would argue, like, argue with you on that one. Like, you'd ha you're, I can see you, yourself defending that movie a lot because people would just, I mean, yeah, like, old movie critics would, like, totally support you. But, like, most of the, 90% of the people nowadays would not, I mean, I've, Full this. I've only seen Stalker once, and I really liked it. But I, I bet you, like you know, you could tell me a thousand different things about the movie that I didn't even know about, right? So, as in every Tarkovsky movie, actually. So, no, I just love that fact, Jesse. Yeah, I've seen all of his films a lot of times, and I would say they get better with repeat viewings. Um, but I'll also say, when it comes to Stalker specifically, I would say that not. I watched that movie for the first time when I found Rate Your Music. So the Rate Your Music film chart is how I discovered Tarkovsky. Wow. And so that must have been back in 2014, 2015. And I remember watching it for the first time. And when it finished, I was like, I did not know that movies could do that. Like, I didn't know that you could make a movie like that. It was just, it blew my mind and expanded what I thought movies were capable of. And I would say in the past, you know, six, seven years since I watched it for the first time, I, I I think that like literally not a week has gone by where I did not think of that movie, where I did not reflect on, you know, its messages or what it says about the human condition. Yeah. So that movie is about um, people go into this like weird zone and they're trying to get to a room and that room grants your wish. And there's uh there's a story within the movie of this guy who goes to the room and uh spoiler territory here it's not a huge spoiler but like he he wants a loved one to come back into it like a loved one that has passed away he wants that loved one and so he treks to this room to get this wish granted to bring his loved one back but what he doesn't realize is that the room doesn't grant the wish that you you know, speak out verbally or the a wish that you get to choose. The wish it grants is your deepest wish. The deepest wish in your heart is what it uh, fulfills. And instead of getting his loved one back, he gets rich and he kills himself. And I think about that story like at least once a month and like, like I said, like at least once a week, I think about something else from the movie where I'm like, oh yeah, that story about the guy who, you know, wanted his loved one back, got rich and realized that he valued money over, you know, family and he kills himself. And it's like, oh, that's so like, like, what does that say about like the human condition? And it makes me look inwards at myself and really question how I interact with people and the relationships that I've forged. And it makes me look at like, humanity is like a whole i guess in some like metaphysical way where i'm like you know what is our like purpose and meaning if you know we have these like tangible physical values and we hold those above you know the people that we love and so on so i i just really love stalker it makes me think every week and i loved um Going back to what you said like two minutes ago, when you said, I didn't know movies could be like this. Like, I love that you said that because I got that, like when I started my like cinematic journey, reading about movies and like starting to collect them, that was the feeling I got when I would watch a foreign film. Like, 
there's this 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 movie's in my top ten favorite movies of all time. It's it's a Hong Kong movie called Chunkin Express. And when I watched that movie, I didn't even know movies could be shot that way, presented that way, the dialogue. Like I'm I'm in love with that movie just because the first time I watched it, I just knocked my socks off because I didn't even know that counted as a movie or that you could do that and have like such a interesting, fascinating movie like that. I mean, in my opinion, I'm a big fan of that movie. But like I didn't it just like opened my eyes to like a whole new new world of film. And I got that feeling watching like several Bergman movies too. Um Tarko- I, I I do owe it to, now I wanna rewatch Stalker. Just like I owe I it's your favorite movie, Jesse. Like if someone's that passionate about it, I owe myself a rewatch. But no, that the feeling of discovering something new is immense. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, like you said, just and like I said, I guess too, just that feeling of I mean, even going back to that whole five out of 10 idea, it's like, you know, five out of 10 movies not going to make you think differently about what movies can be, you know, a movie like Stalker, or even if you hate the tree of life, you know, and you're complaining about the camera work, like you're pointing that out because you haven't seen another movie do that, basically, like you're pointing it out because it's so novel of an idea. It's such like an interesting thing and a new approach that it like, it makes you feel something. And I think it's been like, I, I, I kind of always like wonder, is there going to be another stalker, you know, because I feel like I've seen so many movies and so many, you know, different time periods and so many different languages, but nothing has had that impact on me where I'm like, it just completely changes how, not only how I look at movies, but how I look at life. And I'm like, what's the next movie that's going to come out? What's, you know, the next or who's the next director that's going to come and just like, you know, he's like the new age of cinema. He's going to start putting out these movies and everybody's going to be like, whoa, this is like groundbreaking. Like, I, I don't know who that would be or what that movie would be, but I think Malik, I guess, is the closest with that tree of life mm-hmm. style. Like who else in recent years has had that effect on uh, movies? I don't know. I feel like Ma would know more than me there, but I can just think of like off the top, just the movies that get nominated for at the Oscars, right? Like those are the ones that are the most like it definitely like the style over substance angle you'll get a lot of like and one movie that kind of comes up to mind for me, which is the most recent one that would fit this bill that I saw, which I didn't really like. And I talked about this on the pod was Nomadland. And I kind of wonder, Jesse, like, if you saw this movie, first of all, and what are your thoughts on that one? Because that's definitely a movie that's meant to make you think about how we value like tangible things in um, society like houses and the relationships you forge with people how that can be more important than actually having a place to live or like that community that those that the nomads have um, established is like a bond that keeps them linked I guess for their whole lives and they keep popping up in different spots around um, America I didn't love the movie but I can definitely appreciate the message in it and how that can resonate with people who are in that that situation so i can understand that but for me like that was just a movie that i don't know was like quite slow and uh just couldn't really get into it did you see nomadland or uh no i actually didn't see it um i'm a fan of what's her name francis mcdormand um i am a fan of her um through coen brothers movies usually um all right yeah, Coen Brothers are great. They were, I think, they were kind of like for me a transition from like 
you know, well-known English films into those art films. You know, the No Country for Old Men, like that very slow pace, I think kind of set me up for like the stalker that's 10 times slower. Um, but yeah, I haven't seen Nomadland. I've heard good things about it. I read about, like I read like a synopsis. And for me, I was kind of just like, if I get around to it, I'll watch this. But it seemed a little bit too on the nose. Like I, I don't, I, I'm not really captivated by movies that seem like this is what we're about. Like I think back to like Parasite. I don't know if you guys watch Parasite. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. That movie to me, I liked it. I thought it was good, but I thought it was a little bit too on the nose of just like there's shoving not... themes down your throat, like shoving. Yeah. Uh... Well, it to me it would just it seemed too clean of a movie. It was too clinical in the way that it was shot. It felt that, you know, everything from, you know, the set designs to even, um, you know, towards the end of the movie, there's that scene where uh, the, the poor people's house is being flooded. And when they're going from the rich house to their house, the poor house, they go down like 100 flights of stairs and it's it's made to like illustrate the great divide between the rich and the poor of like the poor are this much lower than the rich that they have to go down like a hundred flights of stairs to get to their house and it was like that physical difference between like you know the 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 rich people are like way up here and the poor people are way down here reflects like that physical status reflects their like socioeconomic status and to me it was like, okay, cool attention to detail. I like that you're consistent with your ideas and you're just going full in on this. But at the same time, by using all of these like film elements to connect to one singular idea, you're not leaving any room open for interpretation or for questions or ambiguity. You're simply connecting an idea to one meaning. And so when I read what Nomad Land was about, I was like, it seems a bit too on the nose for me, honestly. But I don't know. When you were describing it now, it actually sounds way more interesting than. Uh, yeah, than what I, I guess was I reading. just did a good job analyzing it. That would be my review. I don't know. I I found it very slow burn, and it would be on the nose. Like it was quite in your face. Like this is what the symbolism mean is, and I get. I don't know. Like maybe all of my analysis was just taken directly from the screen. Like I didn't even have to think, because it was all just given to me. I don't know. Like I don't know. What What do you think, Matt? Like. Ambu- ambiguity hopefully i pronounced that right that's the right i like that word jesse and no i don't think nomadland leaves like i like i really like nomadland because like i took it for what it was like it w- there was no gray area for me i fully understood everything and there was no room for like there was no ambiguity so if that's not a th- if that's not your th- like Jesse, you might feel the same way you did when you were watching Parasite, watching Nomadland, is what I'm saying. Like the themes yeah. aren't subtle. Like, you want stuff. Right? You want stuff below the surface, right? Like you want. I want Twin that... Peaks. I want you well, okay. not necessarily Stalker. Twin Peaks level of like what the hell is going on, <clears throat> but <clears throat> I think Twin Peaks is so. I don't think that. I mean, I'm gonna say this, but it's gonna turn out to not be true. I don't think that anybody in the world would look at Twin Peaks and be like, it's too surface level. But God forbid, there's somebody out there that's saying it's just trying to be random and it's just surface level. But yeah, my the point is that like a movie like Parasite or potentially Nomadland, I don't know, I haven't watched it, 
But something like Parasite, for me, would never get a 10 out of 10. Because a 10 out of 10, um, and like, so earlier I mentioned I've written over 1,200 reviews. Mm-hmm. Nothing has gotten a 10 yet. Um, it's been wow. two and a half years, 1,200 wow. reviews. A 10 out of 10 is yet to come. Was there one that was um, close, think- though? Like, did you almost, did you consider giving a form of art a 10 and then dropped it down to a 9 because it wasn't subtle enough? Or I don't know. What? <laughs> Um, yes. The way that my rating system works is that initially I intended it for, for it to be a sort of like standard distribution. So I don't know if you guys have ever done like a statistics class or something, but a standard distribution is basically in the middle. So like the five out of 10, that's, you know, where the most reviews are. And then, you know, the fours and sixes a bit less threes and sevens even a bit less so as you get you know off to the edges it drops like significantly and so my aim at the beginning um was to have a standard distribution um and obviously like i wouldn't change the score of a movie just so it fits into that you know distribution it's not like oh you know the number of sixes isn't you know perfect distribution so i'm gonna you know make this seven a six but uh after my one and two years uh, anniversaries, I posted uh, years in review where uh, I think the first year was I had done 600 reviews and I made a graph of here's how many zeros, ones, twos, et cetera, that I've given out. And um, so you can actually like look at the graph and see the distribution. And it turned out, and this actually kind of answers a question from like the beginning, uh, the ratings that I've given the most are sevens and eights. If you take the sevens and eights out, it's pretty standard. Like, you know, not very many zeros, ones, nines, tens, but then the number of sevens and eights is like significantly higher. And I think that's just because I usually look for stuff that I think I'll like, mm. and I usually end up liking it. Um, and so the way that I treat, as you get further away from a five, the harder it is to really get that score and so in my 1200 reviews i've given out one zero out of ten um zero ten out of tens and i think when it comes to one and nine for each less than 20 yeah nine you got oh, a couple same. of willie hooker uh, releases squilly actually is uh, the yep, latest that's one. my friend and i i want to cl- uh, clear any air here those are not paid reviews. Okay. <laughs> I admit that I am biased, but I'm not giving him nines just because he's my friend. He, he that's very like, his fair. music yeah. like genuinely blows my mind and makes me emotional. I've cried. I've I've literally cried listening to his music before. Right he's a beautiful oh, wow. person Check that makes out, beautiful thanks. music, and he's probably listening to this. So I'll have to check it out for sure now. Yeah, yeah but Willie Hooker, my 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 one of my best friends. Out of like the 15 nines that I've given, he occupies like five of them. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm seeing. John Wick, Chapter 3, our Uncle Pat would strongly disagree with that. He's a big... Oh, uh, he's told me. Yeah. He's told I've me. never understood that. Yeah, I feel His like it's kind of just Wick. to be that contrarian. I don't know. Like People love John Wick. You know, it's uh, for what it is, it's amazing action. Just turn your brain off. Just enjoy the show. Here's the thing about Pat and his brother, Bert. I don't know if you guys have talked to Bert as much. No. Um, he's basically Pat 2.0, like literally, <laughs> like almost identical. I don't know if Pat told you guys, but um, I think 
a year or two ago, I did a movie marathon with Pat and Bert. Yeah. And we spent a whole that. day where we watched like five movies, just the three of us. Um, and they're both like 70 something. And I'm this like 27 year old. But it, it wasn't like awkward at all. It was like, like when I talk to those two, like it's, it, it's just so much fun and I feel so comfortable around them. But a lot of the time they will say, and they've said this to me so many times, I think that I just don't like this because I'm old. Oh, I'm just too old to enjoy that. And I, I'm pretty sure Pat said that like when he was telling me, because I was like, oh yeah, John Wick 3, amazing stuff. He was like, oh, I don't know if it was like you guys or somebody else tried to show it to him. And he's like, I hated it. I thought it was like the worst thing I'd ever seen. Oh and I was, and I think at one point he was like, I think I'm just too old to get it. And I was like, that's not a good argument. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I mean, it's not really an argument, but I think that it's like he's identifying that perhaps his taste is influenced by his generational values and differences, I suppose. But, but yeah, so John Wick three was a nine. I think it actually was number one for twenty nineteen for me. I think, and then I think number two was Devil May Cry five, um, which is a video, video game. game. And I, I think I, I actually almost gave that a 10, going back to that question. There were a few things that I considered giving a 10. Devil May Cry 5, John Wick 3. I think that's it, actually. I think it was just those two. But to me, it didn't get a 10 because a 10 to me should be... With those, it was, is this really a 10? And a 10 to me, I don't even have to ask that. Mm. It's like mm. if I'm asking if it's a 10 or not, it's not a 10. Good point. And so the last the last thing that I consider a 10 is Twin Peaks season three, which was four years ago. And I'm the opposite, Jesse. Like, I'm super generous reviewer and rater. Like, I'll give all my favorite movies 10 out of 10. It, to me, it's can I throw it on at any time of the day? Any Can I watch it the next day, rewatch it? If it's yes, it's a 10 out of 10. Like, I will never get bored of it. Yeah, my so. friend Willie's the same, actually. Like, we, because yeah. he's a musician too, obviously. And uh, so we talk about music and movies a lot. And when we're talking about it, he's like, you know, at the end of the year, we'll send each other like, here's our favorite albums of the year. He will keep track all year and he'll send me his list. And he has like 10 tens every year or like 11 tens. And I'm just like, you know, across movies, music, video games, TV shows, books, Nada. you know, 1200 reviews, two and a half years later, not a single 10 in any of those categories, but hopefully soon. Kind of in a weak year for for music, anyways. I'll just speak on that. Like, what is your music, um, your favorite music genre, if you have one? Uh death metal. Okay. I would say, like, if really? I really had to say, wow. my favorite genre. But I listen to like everything. Um, Pig you know, head I, album. I know a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say, like, my favorite artists are Kanye, who I mentioned earlier. Love Kanye. Um, Gorguts is a technical death metal band from Quebec. Amazing, amazing stuff. Just crazy death metal. The Velvet Underground. I don't know if you oh, guys yeah. know the Velvet yeah, Underground. For... Lou Reed. Like the Banana album, that famous album cover. That album is so good. I think it came out like over 50 years ago. And to me, I, I, I listened to it and I'm like, this sounds like this sounds like boundary pushing even for today you know like if this came out today i think people would be like oh my god they're like pushing the boundaries of like noise rock but it came out 50 years ago which just 
amazing stuff but but yeah i i do my own music too um in late high school i was in a in a punk band a hardcore punk band um and then when we broke up well we broke up because i went to carlton in ottawa and uh they were in like kingston so we were like okay guess we're not really a band anymore uh we played a couple shows after that and then i got into a lot of really crazy music um mostly through rate your music again i highly re- recommend yeah, that site obviously that i keep bringing it up but um yeah i want to i want to check that one out too yeah it's you guys were mentioning letter one of you mentioned letterboxd yeah. earlier it's like that but uh the taste is a bit more like obscurist like i find letterboxd is a bit more like like if you were to rank it in terms of like um popularity versus like art films like imdb is like you know dark knight lovers galore Letterboxd, oh my god letterboxd is like the donnie darko like indie cult classic movies and then like rate your music's like the stalker stuff like that's okay. what gets rated highly there yeah so i just like found like crazy like genres and bands on rate your music like i don't know if you guys have heard of like harsh noise it's exactly what it sounds like it's just you know when like you know grandmas listen to death metal and they're like oh you young kids and your noise like it's not even music it's just noise well like harsh noise is literally just noise it is like there's no melody there's no rhythm it's just noise like distorted noise um and it like some of it actually started like clicking with me and so i just got into these like weird genres and uh so then when i put out my my own albums i just like was experimenting with all these like new sounds that i was discovering and you know my first album has like a couple like 20 30 minute tracks um that are just like i think the first track on my first album starts with 10 minutes of guitar feedback which was sort of like an almost intentional thing where it's like if you're gonna shut off the album in the first 10 minutes like this album's not for you it was almost like here's an endurance test for any of you listeners if you make it through that 10 minutes of guitar feedback then like you're gonna like the rest of this Mm -hmm. so how many do you think will sit through the 10 minutes of guitar feedback oh not very many so i upload my music to Bandcamp, and it actually tells me stats for every song right so how many streams each song has and it'll be a green bar if somebody completed the song past the 90 percent mark Mm. a yellow bar if they got between 10 and 90 percent through it and a red bar if they stopped before the 10 percent mark and most of my streams are the red bar Mm. like people especially that first track you know 10 minutes of guitar feedback i think the first track's like 27 minutes and it's like people do not finish that song like i think it probably like has one completed streams that was probably me so yeah still looking for that first <laughs> i don't know what bar, to say that to that. 10 out yeah. of 10 it, it'll happen yeah you just should, just uh, quick just quickly jesse i don't like we can talk music all night but like you mentioned stalker so many times like put i'm putting you on the spot here but like what's number two three and four and five in that list for my favorite time. movies for all time yeah oh god um, i know it's a hard question if anybody wants to see the full breakdown uh just your okay. but i'll just list off a bunch of movies i'll list off just like list them yeah 10 not even necessarily in order 
So with Tarkovsky, Andre Rublev, Solaris, Demir, Stalker, those are all top 10. Um, the Turin Horse, which came out in 2011, I think is the most perfect movie to come out since Stalker. Um, it's just like beautifully shot. It's 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 the slowest movie I've ever seen. It's um, it's people cooking potatoes and eating them and then going to bed for two and a half hours, basically. Uh, and also, you know, I see there's a Star Wars poster in the background yes, there. Sir. I'm going to say the Star Wars prequels. Okay. Um, Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Revenge right. of the Sith. They are on another level of just like George Lucas showed that Hollywood can have this like level of creativity where you can create these worlds and you can write these stories that are just singular. There's like, okay, it's the, the original star Wars trilogy. It's fine. You know, I like watching them. They're whatever, but you know, there's so many movies like it. Um, you know, they're very like, in a way, like very like eighties, you know, like even like the Indiana Jones, like those types of like action flicks, they're very like action adventure of the time, but like find me a movie that's like the Phantom Menace, like find a movie sure. that's like, like it's the Phantom Menace is such like an interesting study in like filmmaking and writing because it's like, I think nowadays if a less competent director and a less visionary director were to make the Phantom Menace, they would add the entire movie, these like hints that Anakin's going to become Darth Vader. It's like they would hint and like foreshadow like there's a darkness in him. And there is some of that in the Phantom Menace where it's like um, they're kind of like hesitant to train Anakin because they're like, you know, this kid's powerful. Like, you know, there he has a lot of like, what is it? Like midichlorian. His midichlorian counts really high or something. Some ridiculous pseudoscientific jargon. And uh, so they're like hesitant to train him because it's like he might have a dark side and whatever. But for the most part in The Phantom Menace, like they let Anakin just be this like innocent child this like child that's so innocent and so you know caring of his mother and and stuff and they don't just overburden you with foreshadowing of like he's gonna become darth vader mm -hmm. they just they let you take that innocence in while also allowing you to know that it's gonna end tragically they're respecting that the audience like already knows that mm -hmm. so yeah star wars prequels up there um, and then kind of to go back to sort of something we were talking about earlier. Um, I mean, first off, like Lynch, I love Lynch. Uh, the Twin Peaks movie was fantastic. Lost Highway, Mulholland Drive, Inland Empire is like a trilogy of like mindfuck identity crisis movies, basically. <laughs> and they're all great. Um, but you know, my sweater, I'm wearing a Zack Snyder's Justice League sweater. Uh, Zack Snyder's DCEU trilogy is up there as like one thing man of steel bvs Zack snyder's justice league um i will defend until the day i die all three of those movies are at least a nine even potentially a ten wow. um and I, right before i actually came on the podcast i posted on my twitter um i think it was like happy snyder cut day or happy release the snyder cut day um and then i posted my 
the thumbnail for my next YouTube review, which is going to be Zack Snyder's Justice League. Because nice. um, it's been a year today that uh, Zack Snyder announced to the world that his version of Justice League was coming out. So one year ago, I got um, the news I had been waiting for for three or four years, yeah. three years after that tragic Joss Whedon cut. <laughs> um, I love Man of Steel and BVS. That Justice League was like fine. I was like, this kind of sucks, but like, whatever. <laughs> but after seeing the new one, I'm just like, man, that was butchered. Mm-hmm. I know you guys did an episode on Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yeah. We feel the same way. It, it, like, to me, Zack Snyder is, like, in my opinion, my favorite director working today. Wow. Um, I, a lot of people, um, you know, kind of classify him as, like, a trash director and, like, you know, BVS, you know, that Martha moment. Oh, it's so awkwardly written. And, uh, you know, oh, he's, you know, I don't get why he's better than Michael Bay and stuff like that. I will kind of defend Michael Bay, by the way, and say that Michael Bay is a fantastic director. Um, anyways, yeah, Zack Snyder's great. I love it. I watched a Sucker Punch for like the third or fourth time today. And uh, that's a great movie. I think it's misunderstood. We'll opinion. talk more off air, I think. I don't know. I have lots to say on Sucker Punch, but we yeah. can go on all night, you know. Maybe that it, that would be a good place to wrap it up for tonight. There, We've covered a lot of your uh, like your reviews and your interests, and it's been super interesting hearing about your thoughts on all those various uh, art forms. So, yeah, man, thanks a lot for listening. I'm going to post the link to your website, jessierevelreviews.wordpress.com. Just type his name in YouTube, Jesse Ravel. You'll get his YouTube channel. We'll also have that in the description of the episode. Thanks a lot for joining us, man. Well, it was great to meet you as well. And any final notes for the listeners? Any last uh, words? Yeah, I mean, I just want to say thanks to both of you for having me on. Um, like I said, I've really enjoyed this. Uh, I think that our our moods kind of line up nicely. We're all kind of like chill, but clearly passionate and have a lot to say about stuff. And a lot of opinions about sucker punch and arrival <laughs> and whatnot. Um, but yeah. Um, so just thanks for having me on and also shout out to Pat again. Yep. Um, if it wasn't for Pat, you know, we would have never met um, and gotten into contact with each other. And yeah, if you guys are ever looking for a guest, I'm, you know, I'm not much of like a hockey watcher <laughs> or anything like that, but you know, just let me know if you want a guest and tell me the topic. And I'm like, down to come on it, i will say when you do another best of the decade in nine years from now please invite me <laughs> all right yeah matt uh, always a pleasure as per usual any final notes for the listeners yeah i just want to thank you jesse for coming on and it was really fun to pick your brain like i i love like i learned a lot tonight and like just like I know I'm gonna be rewatching Stalker in the next coming days, and I'm already excited about that. And like someone that I love that feeling, so thanks a lot. Um, and I hope you had a great time. And thanks everybody for listening to this episode. And I mean, stay safe as well out there. We're still in this shitty situation, so be positive. Yeah, yeah I want to say that too. Actually, stay safe, stay healthy, take it seriously. Yes. It's a serious thing. We're almost so. there. So yeah, thanks a lot to everybody for listening. Stay tuned for episodes dropping every two Mondays. Continue to stay safe, everyone. Love you all. And yeah, peace.